Welcome to another episode of Yesterday's Capers. I'm Abdullah Molib and every week I'll be bringing you the very best shows from the past that the world has to offer. This week it's a real musical extravaganza as we look back at TV shows starring Big Time Rush, S Club 7 and North and South. Three different musical groups but three brilliant TV shows. We're switching it up a little bit as we're going to rank these shows from number three down to our favourite ones. And trust me, this is going to be real fun. Producer Paul and I are still in different locations, but as ever, we're still here to bring you the very best shows from the past that the world has to offer. So, let's get started. And uh, are you just as excited as I am about these uh, three shows? I mean, the thing is, obviously, music's not my strong point. I think as anyone who's been listening to podcasts for a while knows that. Um, you don't say. Um, but I did know one of the three bands. Okay, okay. Uh, I I did kind of expect you to not have a clue who North and South were. Yeah, no, I didn't. I, I mean, I think we were, we were talking together. I was like, oh, Beautiful South. Yeah, I love that band. No, it's not that <laughs> one. It's a completely different one. It's uh, North and South. And uh, yeah, we actually... Let's let's get started. And I, what I was going to say was, obviously, with the format of the pod, it's always two shows, and then we'll do a special. But I'm thinking, let's switch it up a little bit. Let's mix it up, and uh, this time we're just going to like see all three shows on equal footing, and then we're going to decide which is our best from three to one. So some weeks we might do the the format that we've always done which is two shows and then do a special or sometimes we might just get three shows triple threat three two one and that's how we'll decide which which show is the best i think it's a it's a good way to to keep keep this fresh especially as we uh the lead up to uh the the first birthday of this uh, pod. Yeah, amazing, isn't it? It is, it is. I think by the time this drops and the new episode is recorded, yeah, we would have celebrated one years. I think I might say something about it next week because it's a lot more closer to uh, to the time. But let's let's get started because I know we're going to have a lot to to get through. So uh, we're going to start with uh, no sweat in chronological order because this show came out in april 1997 and some of the things happening in the world the popular television series pokemon premieres on tv tokyo the organization for the prohibition of chemical weapons opcw and the cwc treaty enters into force Baseball honours Jackie Robinson by retiring the number two jersey for all teams. Anaconda was in the cinemas. And You Might Need Somebody by Shola Amma was in the charts. Again, it's a massive song, but... I think I know this one. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm now going to assume that you don't know. Yeah, that's probably a safe bet. It's a safe bet, to be honest. Everything. Even though it's, yeah, like I said, it's a massive tune, big classic song. But uh, no, yeah, let's, uh, like I said, we're going to start with uh, No Sweat. 
And this was the British TV children's show that was on CBBC, starring the exploits of boy band North and South. And obviously the members of North and South. Pay attention to the names. I know you're just as bad names as your music. There was Jimmy, who had the green hair, and he was played by James Hurst. Greg, who was the lead singer, played by Lee Otter. You had Miles, who was played by Tom Lowe. And Giles was played by Sam Chapman. And obviously they were in a band in real life. They were formed by pop music manager Tom Watkins. Tom Watkins. And his previous artists include the Pet Shop Boys, Two Woe, Third Three. Two Woe, Third Three. I think that might be the name of the band. I don't even know if that Never ever heard of that. Bros and E17. I'm sure you've heard of them. It's a postcode. East London. You, you've heard of E17, haven't you? It rings a bell, but... They had the uh, big Christmas song, Stay Another Day. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Again, they were huge. So how they kind of came together was uh, Tom, Lee and Sam responded to adverts published on Teletext. And guitarist James joined later following a chance meeting with Sam. Mark Reed of the boy band A1 was originally going to be in the band, but he later dropped out due to being unsure of the route it was going to take. That's funny because he was in A1 and that's a road. Well, okay, you haven't heard of A1 either, which is crazy, but okay. But what I was going to say, I think, considering how North and South had a very short run, yeah, I actually think he may have been vindicated for not joining. Because I think A1 were a lot more successful yeah. in the long run than North and South were, despite their god-awful version of Take On Me. Anyway, Take on me. yes, that one. They did a horrible version of that song. And after being chosen on their musical ability, the, pa- the band were put through a series of screen tests by initial television for the show. And after these, they began recording their debut album and filming the first series of the show in Brighton in early 1997. And yeah, like we said, it's set in Brighton and it centers on Jimmy Osman, James Hurst's character, who just moved into the area with his kind but overbearing mother, Beverly. And Beverly, his mum, was obsessed with entering competitions and she once purchased multiple cans of dog food despite not having a dog. And so he makes friends with Greg Fuggle at the school. And once they get past the bullies Janice and Carly, they decide to form a band as a way of getting girls and cash fast. And Greg is like, okay, we'll go to the... um," He's like, you know what, I'm going to go along with the plan. And they try to recruit two girls from the rival St. Ethelberger school, Jassy, who was played by Scarlett Strallen, and she's the niece of actress Bonnie Langford and Lucy and they want them to sing with the band and then they try they pers- try to persuade the girls without very much success they try to get Miles and Giles but Miles and Giles wanted to form their own group Dr B with the girls but the lads were the only ones who had the equipment and we'll talk about those shortly when we talk about episodes and 
Yeah, so once the the series was done, they uh, released some like music singles. So the debut single, I'm a Man, Not a Boy. This was such a massive song in my childhood, to be honest with you. It's uh, Really? Yes, like honestly, I couldn't, couldn't get enough. I mean, this song, I would say everywhere, but like I watched this show every week, every day, and every Thursday when it comes to BBC. And obviously the song... It's like one of the most memorable songs of my childhood, definitely. And it reached number seven in the UK singles charts. And it reached number two in Malaysia. And once the, the series had ended, they released their second single, Tarantino's New Star. But it only reached number 18 and it kind of disappeared very quickly. And they did a sellout tour of the UK later that year once, once the show was ended and they released the the show's theme song no sweat and it was also used as the theme song for the european version of the playstation video game tombi and after the tour they released breathing and again it was well promoted but it only got in at number 27 and even though they released even though they did a second series of no sweat the the hype had the uh, fizzled out and it kind of lost its magic and some of the things that the other guys were doing so I think James Hurst he's a music a music teacher or a teacher of some sort Lee Otter tried to change his name to Lee West and tried to have a go at a solo career but it didn't really work out for him he managed to support Steps on tour but his debut solo single, Wishing, failed to chart. Tom Lowe took lead roles in Les Miserables and Cats in the West End between 1999 and 2001. He went on to study at Harvard University and auditioned on American Idol, making it through to the Hollywood stage of the competition after a successful first audition, but failed to make the final cut. He's currently living in the United States. Sam Chapman is currently teaching a music technology course at a college in Lincolnshire and he has performed at several 80s music themed events on cruise ships. There was one really sad note in 2012. Gemma McCluskey, who was Janice, so the little girl who was like the bully, she had disappeared from her home in East London and a few days later her dismembered body was discovered in the Regent's Canal. And wow. it turned out it was her brother, Tony, who was found guilty of her murder. That's horrendous. I had absolutely no idea about that. Because she was in EastEnders for like a hot minute in 2000. And yeah, so this happened in like 2012. And I remember like it was like all over the news. They were like, oh, she's disappeared. She's disappeared. We, we don't know what happened. I think she even had like two young kids as well. Really? Oh, that's so yeah. sad. Yeah. And again, yeah, it was like, I think they'd found her sort of torso or headless torso in the Regent's Canal. And yeah, it was her brother, Tony, who found guilt of a murder. She was only 29. Unbelievable. And I think, yeah, obviously she, she left behind, she left behind two kids. And yeah, they didn't even get, and as for North and South, they didn't even get a chance to release their album because I don't think the label were convinced of their uh, their quality long term. Yeah. So uh, 
Let's talk about this show. Jump right in. So I'm surprised actually that you saying that you used to watch it and stuff because I had no idea about them as a band, them as a TV show, them as in anything really. Um, I think it might have been like one of those niche shows. Yeah. But like I sort of discovered it at random, and there used to be me and another boy in my class, and we used to talk about this show. Really? The next day after school, we'd be like, "Oh my god, did you see no sweat?" And we'd be like. You got an idea? Yeah, no sweat. Like, <laughs> honestly, this was like the coolest thing in the world to me as a kid. Yeah. Absolutely couldn't get enough of this show. And obviously, yeah, I'm a man, not a boy, man, not a boy. Like, that was my song for the longest. I think, like, one thing I will say is, it's like, obviously, it's, it looks and feels like a, a 90s kids TV show when you're watching it. But it's it holds up to me. I actually enjoyed watching it. Yeah, like, there wasn't anything when I was watching. It, I was like, "Oh, this is boring. Oh, that's stupid. Or oh, this and that and the other." I no. enjoyed it. I enjoyed the cheesy bully girls. I enjoyed like the, it's so it's so like kind of like <laughs> painful so to watch, but it, and... but it was funny and it was good. And um, one thing I, I was wondering though, what's with the mum? She's like she's surrounded in this mystery. Like she's like kind of either she's either on the run or she's a secret agent or something like that because she's got cash on the hip for a start. I think it might have been because of a divorce, was it? Uh, I don't know, but she's just, you know, loads of money. She she's on the run from her partner or something like that. And, <laughs> and obviously, I think you you mentioned See, that's the side me. story I want to look into, right? No, exactly. Um, but obviously, there's there's one thing I will say is there's not enough of this stuff out there on youtube oh. or anything. and also wanted to say a very special thank you for whoever taped these shows like yeah you, you can see them like the videotape and, and stuff like that so whoever taped them thank you just a shame you didn't put the whole of series one i mean series two you could leave that by the wayside but it was such a shame that there was there was such few episodes yeah I mean, and that it was, was right at the good bit as well where it ended yeah but i think it was Almost good in a way because it kind of showed us them forming the group. Yeah, I, th- I mean, the thing is, that's like with my... the girls, but obviously they are not part of the the package. I, I think, like in any story, like any superhero movie or anything like that, the bit where they get their powers and stuff like that is the best bit. So, yeah. like, you know, the forming bit is like. I great. literally remember this moment when they were literally all singing in the garage, and they make the band, and literally the next day after school, we were like, "Oh my god, did you see us when they actually made the group?" and I'm I'm not ju- no word of a lie. This is all true. Like we would talk about this show every Friday without fail at school. I must have been what in year four. Yeah, I mean, like I'm... seven. Yeah, I was in year four when this when this when this came out, and we'd be just be talking about this every like every Friday without fail, and then we'd be like. Every Thursday after school, going, oh my god, you got watching no sweat, right? We're like, yeah, hey, we're gonna watch it. We're gonna watch it definitely. And there's, there's one irritating thing I found in it that maybe you didn't find this because you like the music. I was shrouded from your childhood. Yeah, yeah. It was the, the 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 length of the musical fantasies was a little bit annoying. Because <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, it had like it had the pilot, which was like half hour. Then or twenty three minutes, whatever it was. I don't then know. Had, she, the person who put it on YouTube just jumbled it and put everything yeah, that she had. Yeah, so. Oh yeah, because you had episode two, which was half of episode yeah, one. Yeah. And then and then like a little bit of episode two, 
two, and then episode two was carried yeah. in, but like half of that was musical fantasy, and I was like, oh come on. <laughs> <laughs> and he's doing like the whole first verse and second verse and And he walks on stage and grabs is it Lucy by the hand and brings her up. Yeah, I think that's it. In his fantasy, I mean. Yeah, yeah, I think I think I think that's her what, name. What's her name? What's her name? Is he he calls her the name of her house at the beginning? Oh, um, Lilac Lodge or something. Yeah, <laughs> she, she's posh, isn't she? And it's like, uh, where I, they're from. I remember when I was uh, when I was a kid and I was doing um, when I was doing paper rounds and stuff, and I used to be like reading the papers as well, like like he was reading the magazine. I'd be like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but honestly, this was like. A huge part of my, um, like I said, just a huge part of my childhood. And potentially, y'all, I'm going to chat with one of the members of North and South. So you guys have that potentially to look forward to. So uh, watch this space. Absolutely. And obviously, if it doesn't happen, I'm just going to delete this little bit and pretend that never happened. So <laughs> there's that. Right. Let's 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 chat about what very little there was in way of episodes yeah i think okay so just um i showed you this before but my notes were scribbled on by my little boy so there's there's some and and also one thing i did do um and you'll back me up on this the the youtube ones are quite difficult to find in sequence so i so i watched episode one two and then halfway through two i skipped to episode three and i even wrote my notes like how did they even do form the band already and then i went back and was like oh i've watched the wrong episode so so i I kind of maybe my notes were a little bit jumbled so that's just my like little caveat i mean um do you want me to start or do you want to do you want to crack on um yeah go for it how i've written my notes is how i watched it so they kind of unfold I, I did put some go back and put some brackets in so i'll put a uh, crazy if you jump co- forward then i'll um okay yeah yeah just just rein me back in and um, so um the crazy crazy green hair guy moving home is my first note um, Norfolk. yeah from norfolk to brighton one thing i did like actually is during the chase scenes it's like they actually did do it through brighton town center and stuff like um do you know, like when you see somewhere on TV that you know and you've been to, yeah, I, yeah. I, I like it. I'm like, oh, I've been there, I've been there, I've been there. I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, I can tell you, it's definitely Brighton. Um, uh, so then along comes Greg with his, uh, and he's wearing, he's, he's got his like paper sack around his, around his neck, and he's, I'm not sure, but I think he was wearing goalie gloves for some reason. Um, uh, and then these like the posh girls are eyeing up the posh boys, and then the paper boys kind of iron her up but he's also reading her magazine that he's delivering to her house um and they kind, of, they kind of like mock him a little bit for that and then they kind of then they go to school and you see um jimmy walk into school and he gets like jumped by i thought it was i thought it was karen and janice but uh you corrected me it's uh, carly and janice like jump him why would they, you say karen i think i think it's because we're talking about karen's the other day <laughs> i think it was in my head um oh yeah it's carly and janice um yeah so they kind of jump him and reading the right act kind of thing like oh you can get on if you do this if you're i can't remember the three things she said one don't mess with me and then i love the other one going and don't mess with me and she's looking like huh like, oh, what right, are you talking her. about yeah <laughs> uh then oh yeah so i put in on my notes is that's a very 90s moment kind of like uh you wouldn't see that on tv nowadays like 
just the how hard it is if you see what i mean like it's like it's very kind of like the dialogue so on the nose and everything it's, it's great i absolutely loved it yeah i love i loved it it's proper like in a state school like what i'm used to one thing i didn't find weird was when they because they kind of they go in there have lunch in the sports center and then they walk past the pool like with all their bags on and stuff like that and i'm pretty sure that wouldn't happen maybe because you had to go through the changing rooms to get to the swimming pool, there's no other way in there, right? I'm trying to think of my school. We had a we had like a sports center attached to the school, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah, a, and a pool, but you couldn't. There, there, and there was like yeah, the only way to the swimming pool was via the changing rooms. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I find that a bit weird when they're walking past the pool, but um, when they kind of have lunch and then uh, as as Jimmy's leaving, Greg kind of takes up, catches up with him. Oh yeah, I saw you move house and then this and that. And I think, meanwhile, Carly and Janice have been tampering with his brakes on his bike. And then when he goes, it kind of he kind of picks up Jimmy on the way, and they kind of like go down the hill, and it's really cheesy, kind of like, oh, no brakes moment. And um, then they end up, um, I can't remember how, but they find a little newspaper, and it has like a thing drops out of it. Oh, because I think he needs to deliver the uh, magazine to to Lucy's house, right? Um, and I think pops up saying calling all rockers or something like this and basically like, oh yeah there's former band and we'll, we'll do this and we'll do that they kind of get it in their head that that way know, that they can make cash and yeah exactly yeah so they're all girls then i think i'm sure around this i didn't write any of the fantasies things because they were a bit annoying so the thing is where he has a fantasy about the songs you kind of know that he's got a song in his head and he's kind of a musical guy this is uh greg i'm talking about jimmy not so much i think jimmy's more of the technical guy Music, yeah, like so musical he has all the equipment and whatnot, and uh, yeah. Um, so the first musical fantasy is obviously I'm a man or a boy, so he's imagining that he's performing in front of a crowd because he wants to be a singer and he has all of that. And then he, he writes a song called Breathing, which is all about his love for Jassy or Lucy or whichever one it is. See, this song as well, again, was like etched through my childhood so like that ah, 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 ah. that means breathing doesn't it that's the sound of breathing yeah i guess that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's where it came from but yeah like that's that song and i'm a man or a boy it was all right wasn't it i mean musically they sounded okay like they had good voices and stuff like that um uh then i think then they, they had a kind of a Nice funny moment where he takes off on his bike again and he forgets he's got no great brakes and he hits his BT guy's tent and then the tent's kind of going down the road on its own. Um, I enjoyed that. Those little things are quite funny. Um, and so it turns, so they go to Jimmy's house and it turns out he moves around a lot. And this is where I've written a note about how there's quite a lot of mystery surrounding the mum. They haven't explained her backstory properly. They give you little clues, but they don't actually... I would actually... have liked to have heard her backstory. Yeah, I'm, I'm convinced that she's some sort of like... She's either on the run for murder, or she's um, a secret well, agent, she or something. Killed her husband. Yeah. And she's moved to Norfolk, and she's taken all the money. Yeah. And like she's run off with the money and the boy and everything, and moved to Norfolk. I don't think she's like a secret spy or anything. Or maybe she's, um, well, she's minted, which we find out later on, anyway. So Miles and Giles caught wind of the fact that they've got equipment, so they're thinking, right, let's. Uh, Obviously, we've got our own band, Doctor B, and they've they've got the equipment, whatever. So they're like, we'll uh, go up to them and be like, let's use your equipment. 
this music lark ain't for girls and whatnot. Because they go to the shop and literally buy it all out, don't they? Literally, like, yeah, I want that, I want that, I want that. Like, literally thousands of pounds worth of kit. And they're like, I don't worry. I'll and the mum thinks it's for the chamber orchestra. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're not in a band. It's a chamber orchestra. <laughs> and so, yeah, so Greg and James, they were like, oh, Jimmy, they go to see the St. Ethelberger kids perform in a concert that they have. I think it's called Dr. B. Yeah, that's one thing I didn't understand. I thought that they were said they're in a band, but they're not really in a band. They're in a the- theatrical production. Yeah, they're in a theatrical They want to make music, and obviously Greg and Jimmy have all the equipment. And so they watch them perform, and they think, oh, my God, these girls are amazing. And so they're like, oh, look, this is our demo tape. We're in a we're we're trying to make a group called North and South, based on the Cockney rhyming slang for mouth, which I didn't even know. I didn't know that cock mouth in Cockney rhyming slang is North and South. But anyway, yeah, that was. Uh, and so they're like, look, why don't you girls join our group? And so they were like, um, no, we're not going to join your group. You guys are geeks and oiks, really, because they're posh sent Ethelbergers and they're oiks you go to a proper rough school and then so the posh kids are all trying to talk amongst each other going how are we gonna get around to using the equipment and so Mars and Giles are like uh we're gonna go and play sports but they're like they don't want the girls involved in their plan and obviously Jassy is like or Lucy's like hey he fancies me doesn't he He'll let me use the equipment so I can just basically give him the eyes and make it all happen. And so they, Miles and Giles, go and meet Jimmy and Greg in the cafe, whatever. And so they manage to sort something out amongst themselves and they're like, oh, come inside and we'll uh, have a go on the equipment and whatnot. And so they're performing and they're like you know what we reckon something's missing and so the girls catch wind of them performing or whatever i love how she opens the door to the mum it's like what are you two doing here they're like, oh we're here for jimmy and greg um my son doesn't hang out with girls this is wrong and so he's a, a boy scout and so they dress up as boy scouts they go inside and they actually come in and they do really cute harmonies in the you don't understand bit yeah, nice backup all vocals. Sing together, and I, I remember as a kid watching this, going, "Ah, look at them! They're in the van. They've made it! Oh, yay!" Did you did you watch halfway through one of the episodes? It come kind of it was an ad break in the middle, and there's some I did little, not watch the ad breaks. There's a little kid singing about an Oscar Mayer wiener. Did you read that? Did you sit, watch it? No, I did I, not watch that. I would recommend watching this advert. It was hilarious. It's like, Oscar Mayer wiener. Yeah, it's a little boy going, oh, I want to be an Oscar Mayer wiener. And it's it's hilarious. I, Is would... it Amer- I bet it's American or Canadian, because I think one of these uh, American and Canadian channels was showing it. So Yeah, it's one of the two, but anyway. Might be, I... might be down to them. Oh, I... some, a couple of notes that I wrote down was singing in the record shops is like such a thing of the past. You don't have like record shops like that anymore. Yeah, I didn't even know that was a thing. Um, not in this country, at least. I, n- I, d- I never once yeah, saw anything. The thing is, I know definitely wasn't a countryside thing. Um, we had like that HMV and stuff, 
But like but we, all we had no booths, cassettes and stuff. There used to be like I think two or three near where mm. we used to live growing up. So the thing is, I didn't get. In, I remember when I first got into music, and it was the release of the PlayStation Two, and there was a game called Gran Turismo Three A Spec, which was like a driving sim, and and the intro music was um uh, was a was a song called Just a Day by Feeder, um and I loved that song so much. I downloaded it and yeah, I must have downloaded it on it was put some line wire or whatever it was called. So you never then. had tapes of songs or anything like that? No, my sisters did and my dad did and my mum did, but um I my first ever owned music thing was a was a CD. So as a kid you weren't like watching Top of the Pops and No, I think it's my my dad was in a band when I was younger. The Ozone and C D UK and Yeah, no, literally nothing. Um uh, I think my dad was so heavily into music when I was younger, and, and my mum was too. She used to listen to, um, I think it was uh, Virgin Radio back in the day, and maybe it was something Q one o. No, no, that's a local radio station. There's, there's a couple of radio stations that my mum used to listen to really contemporary music for the time, obviously. Um, incidentally, I now listen to that radio station, but it's called Absolute. Um, but my dad used to play like from blues music, um, right through to like kind of rock and roll and stuff like that. And it's really broad, but I think because it was such a big thing in my household that I didn't really turn onto it. I kind of turned off if you see what I mean. So I wasn't into music until I was like 13, 14 years old. Bloody hell. But, um, yeah, other thing I wrote down was the English rough book. Maybe you needed a rough book for your notes. Obviously, as a kid, you have like your main book and you have your rough book. And little girls like the little girl was like, "You could sign my English rough book." And I'm like, I remember having a rough book at school. Did you have your main? Yeah, you have your main. You have your rough book. I have somewhere around here, which obviously I can't find now. I have an, I have an, I have a neat notebook and a rough notebook. There you go. It's like back <laughs> in school days, isn't it? Yeah, I've been writing like all my all my notes that I need, like. To be like very precise, and then, and then you just have to look at my notes that I'm holding up to the camera now. <laughs> just like, just like in the school days. Um, what else? I think yeah. Obviously, the this show was very brief, and their careers were quite brief. I think like one of the things, and this is a common theme, and maybe we should talk about this later. But is there a, a curse on bands that have TV shows? No. Absolutely not. As right. we're going to find out with the other shows that we talk about. Because this is free publicity. Yeah, but the thing is... Free publicity. Because you look, at the end of the day, right, obviously this show came out way before social media, way before all of that, right? People like were watching No Sweat in their millions back in night seven. Three, four, five million people were watching this every Thursday without fail. I mean, if they were just a boy band that was just out there, they probably would have struggled because I think in the 90s, particularly the late 90s, it was stacked for boy bands. You had Backstreet Boys, you had NSYNC, you had 98 Degrees, you had Westlife, I think, coming into the fore. You had Boyzone, who was still very much a thing. Five, you also had. And you had all the other nine one one damage. You had so many boy bands, absolutely stacked. So you needed to get the edge any way you can. So one of the things you would do is you'd have a television show. So 
audiences will not only hear the music, they'll get to know who you are, all four of the personalities, listening to the music. It's basically publicity that you're just, it's like free publicity. And then for a while, it definitely worked for them. But I think what happened is, and this is what happens to a lot of X Factor, right? The reality is that in the big, big real world, they're going to struggle because, yeah, not everybody is watching No Sweat. Not everybody is going to listen to their music outside of that television show because it was one of those things where everybody liked their boy band. Everybody was lined up with one boy band and whatnot. And obviously, if those boy bands did the legwork outside of being on TV, you're going to be more inclined to follow them and see what they're doing and see what they're up to. And And I guess their audience for television didn't really have the disposable income they needed to buy records as well. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think the, the quality of songs from North and South were good enough to really really go out there and 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 really break out the middle of the of the boy band pack yeah i, I mean, don't think it was good enough there's a couple of really good points you made about first of all how saturated the market was with like pretty decent boy bands um and also about like and also about like, the the fact that you forget so easily that there was only if you were lucky five channels um and and let's face it there were two kids channels to be watching after school right CRTV CBBC they're the only ones that you're going to be watching and there was n- literally none of this n- none of this like um uh digital tv it wasn't even a thing so like forget you had five channels or nothing exactly and it was a case where it was good for the the band because they had BBC one every Thursday at five o'clock it was pretty much their slot their schedule to really put their stuff out there but i think for them they kind of got too caught up with the mix between being actors on tv and being musicians yeah because i think once the second series had come out they'd kind of moved away from the school settings and what kind of made the show really cool i remember the second series like it just didn't have that spark that the first series did so it was just basically following them and their music career and seeing how they're doing and seeing how how they're getting on and yeah obviously this is going to be like a running theme that we'll talk about with s club seven and and big time rush in terms of being able to be on television and kind of show yourselves in that in that light in that era like there's bands that i'm forgetting about you steps as well i forgot about them you had steps you you needed to be something way outside of the box to to even to even try to pop was such a different ball game back in the 90s like you know it was all like you know kind of ridiculously wet vocals and like such cheesy dancing and stuff like yeah. that it's a, it's a whole I mean new... I'm a man not a boy look it's a very catchy song I'm it's it... It's very catchy. It's, it's 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 a bop, but it wasn't like it wasn't like top top level. It was like a certain level. Like it's an it's a top ten track, but it's not a top five track, not a top three, top two track, as some of the other groups were were dropping. Like I said, like shout out to them 
obviously shout out to Tom Lowe who's gonna chat with me. Obviously, if he doesn't chat with me, then uh... did he? <laughs> but no, still, 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 like North and South, they were, they were okay, man. They were okay. They were at a certain level, and they kind of stayed at that level, and they naturally just fizzled out. Now we're going on to the S Club Seven, and their first sort of dip into television came in April 1999. Some of the things happening in the world. British TV presenter Jill Dando is shot dead outside her home in Fulham. Do you remember a lot of Jill Dando? Or... No, the thing is, like, I'm, I was quite like the apolitical person right up until I was like 30. Because she, um, no, she was the presenter of Crime Watch. Yeah. Which was mad. But she was like a massive TV personality on BBC. She did the holiday show as well. Yeah, I remember, I remember it, and I'm pretty sure we studied it. Uh, in for some for a subject we studied this, um, but yeah, we should probably do that. You know, holiday. Wish you were here. That'd be a good little episode to do. Because wish, wish you were, were here. That was such one. a great show. I remember oh, watching it. My family song was magic. I love the theme song for Wish You Were Here. But anyway, yeah, like with the Jill Dando, it was crazy because um, she's the host of Crime Watch, and the presenter was like, "I can't believe I have to do this." On yeah. Crime Watch, can you help us find who killed Jill Dando? Like outside her home in broad daylight in West London. How can nobody not know or see what happened? And I think the guy they arrested a guy, but it turned out it weren't him who did it. And yeah, it was um man. The great one, Wayne Gretzky, plays his final game in the NHL. MySpace was officially introduced to the internet, though MySpace beta was around since 1998. Entrapment was in the cinemas. And My Name Is by Eminem was in the charts. Ooh, maybe you might get three out of three this time. Let me have a quick peek at the song for... Oh, I think you might get three out of three. No, no, no. Actually, yeah. Maybe, maybe you will. Maybe you won't. Now I'm leaning towards maybe you won't. But um, no. There you go. And uh, yeah, so S Club 7. They are uh, an English pop group from London created by former Spice Girls manager Simon Fuller. This was after he'd got sacked by the Spice Girls. Consisting of... Let's see if we can do like a word association kind of deal where we can name the members of S Club 7. I'll start with Bradley. Paul. Hannah. Joe. Tina. That's my one. Rachel. You said Rachel, didn't you? No. I said Paul and then Joe. Oh, so that's one more. Um... John. John, <laughs> at yeah, least you I, said I, it. I, I, I was actually trying to do the lyrics, you know, for Escla Party. Tina's doing her thing. John's looking for a romance. Paul's getting down on the floor while Hannah's screaming up for more. Want to see Bradley swing. Want to see Rachel do her thing. And we got Joe. See something. Got to go. I mean, you're <laughs> not that far off. It's, and we got Joe. She's got the flow. Get ready, everybody, because here we come. Yes, there we go. S Club 7. Good stuff. So, 
So, yeah, it kind of formed by uh, Joe and Paul being spotted by producers and asked to audition. And then I think after that, John, Hannah, Tina and Badly auditioned. Rachel was the only member of the group who did not audition. She was approached and she was basically asked to go into the studio and record a demo tape. And then, yeah, after some final adjustments, including the removal of three original members, S Club 7 was formed. Speaking of the first meeting, Stevens, Rachel Stevens said that the group felt comfortable with each other from the beginning. And a lot of people were trying to work out what the S in S Club 7 means. And I think Bradley kind of said that Simon Fuller's success had been based on the number 19, owning to 19 Entertainment, which was Simon Fuller's basic, basic company. And therefore, S being the 19th letter of the alphabet was basically how S Club 7 was formed. And yeah, so they first starred in their own TV series, Miami 7. And as they were together, let's do some statistics. They had four UK number one hit singles, one UK number one album, and a string of hits throughout Europe, as well as top 10 hit in the US Hot 100 with Never Had a Dream Come True. They recorded four studio albums and released 11 singles and went on to sell over 10 million records worldwide. They had four number ones in the UK single charts, including Bring It All Back, Never Had a Dream Come True, Have You Ever. Both of those songs, Never Had a Dream Come True or Have You Ever, were Children in Need songs. And Don't Stop Moving, which was arguably their most successful single. And the style of S Club 7's music normally falls under the bubblegum pop category. And their first two singles saw vocals shared equally amongst seven members of the group. And it was not until their third single, Two in a Million, that Joe became known as the lead vocalist. And the band were progressively changing their style over the four years they were together. Even their first album had many tracks atypical of the pop genre. You're My Number One and Everybody Wants You were Motown-driven, whereas Viva La Fiesta and it's a feel-good thing, were both bouncy, salsa-driven Latino songs. And yeah, their second album had songs far removed from the traditional pop songs and even tried to have some kind of R&B kind of flow. So natural, also other songs like Show Me Your Colors was very R&B, Don't Stop Moving was very, very disco influenced. And yeah, it was the high point for S Club 7 as that song went straight to number one, went platinum, and it was the seventh best-selling single of 2001. They had won Record of the Year award for that song. And in February 2002, the single, the, 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 the song Don't Stop Moving won the Brit Award for Best British Single. And there were some controversy controversies with S Club 7. So in March 2001, the, the S Club 7 boys were caught with cannabis in London's Covent Garden. And they were cautioned by police at the Charing Cross police station and released without charge. 
after the fact, their publicity firm, Henry's House, released a public apology stating that they were very stupid and very so- very sorry. And they admitted to making a very stupid mistake. And at the time, BT and Cadbury, who had sponsorship deals with S Club 7, said that they were very disappointed to learn of the caution, but said that they would keep their contracts with the band. However, serial firm Quicker Oats ended talks with 19 Entertainment after learning of the police caution. And before I pass on to you, so they starred in many, many TV and TV made for made for TV films. So obviously they had Miami 7, Back to the 50s, Boyfriends and Birthdays, and then LA 7. They had S Club 7 Go Wild. So this was like a, sort of a documentary kind of thing following some of the members of the group going to different places in the world and seeing different kinds of animals. Artistic differences. They had a Christmas special. Hollywood 7, which was their third offering of the TV show. S Club Search in search of the S Club Juniors. Don't ask me their names and who they are. I haven't the foggiest. And their last TV offering was Viva S Club. And after that, they released their movie Seeing Double. And, um, right. So, and then halfway through Viva S Club, Paul leaves the group and they go by the name of S Club. And that's when they released their fourth and final album, Seeing Double. And they released the song Alive, which was. Uh, power pack dance floor filler and their kind of last sort of two singles was love ain't gonna wait for you and say goodbye and yeah so after four odd years or however long it was the rumors were true and that s cup seven were splitting up and they cited a mutual split and they wanted to kind of move on and face new challenges and they kind of talked about how exhausting being in the band was due to their insane schedule and we'll talk about their reunion later so let's talk about s cup 7 one thing i'm just i'm just thinking as you're 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 talking there is that isn't it funny how they've got to explain a split like it's a relationship you know it's not like they can just get together make a music and then you know then no one cares after that Do you know what i mean people care about them being together like in you know in fact commerce as as a as a thing but i mean obviously they don't live together they they live in their separate houses they get together for band practice whatever and it's funny that they just need to and it's not just them it's, it's all bands that you know when they they you know they they have to explain yeah. that they've split up it's just it's, it's bizarre anyway that's just my I think um, because i don't know maybe it's for the benefit of their fans because i think in the run-up to their movie they were denying that they were breaking up uh, and then once the movie had dropped they were like uh yeah actually we are kind of breaking up and then a lot of people were not particularly happy with that because obviously if you're a fan of this group you're emotionally invested you're with them every step of the way they didn't have the gravitas of like take that though did they they kind of did really yes they had a few number one hits like i said they won a brit award for best british single that's that's like the Brit Award everybody wants to win. Yeah, I mean, S Club Seven were definitely a band that I was aware of, and actually quite liked. Even as like a, a I don't even know how old I was when a ten year old when they when they were out or whatever it was. Um, 
because it was like this just like, like you said bubblegum pop and that's it's incredibly catchy yeah I, I don't think there's anyone that wouldn't if it was on like know the words instantly even like I, it's, there's so many adults around the world now you know you you can have beers you know gray hair and if that came on the radio you'd be able to sing along to it (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean you say that they didn't have the gravitas they like i said they they kind of did and i think with the format of how we were talking about with the north and south how they had the format of putting their stuff on tv i think for s club 7 it worked an absolute treat because they were different they were they stood out as who they were in terms of as a group they it was seven of them but these tv shows that we watched enabled them to really show us and and tell us who they are what what they're like you can kind of see each of them having their own personality and as the series progressed we kind of saw it unfold and develop and we're kind of going on this this journey with them. Yeah, I think that one one thing that was a surprise at how just like I said, just how much they did, you know, did do um in their in their time as a as a band. Um one thing I will say about watching the shows is that it would have been really beneficial to have I, mean, I know that you watched a ton of this. Um but I think it was really important to kind of watch a lot in sequence, um, yeah. which I didn't really get to do. Um, I but think I could... in a way, I should have probably told you this, but like every finale had like a recap of what happened in the series. Oh, I could have literally watched a couple of... Of those finales and been like, oh, they did this, they did this, they did this, without actually... I did like, I did like that it carried on. and I did like that it was a story. I thought that that worked really well i'm not sure how uh how close to the reality it was like in terms of not not so much the last bits and pieces but in the, the beginning bit where you know when they like get kicked out they go to another country and whatever what I, I would i would like to have known if that was how it happened but reading your synopsis that doesn't <laughs> doesn't sound I mean, like that happened i mean all. you say that they do use some stuff from their reality onto the tv show so, for instance, Paul and Hannah started dating. And so they did an episode where Paul and Hannah kiss and they're like, oh, my God, we kissed. What's going to happen? Should we go out with each other? But no, it's going to be weird. We're in the group. And they had been going out in secret for the longest. But then obviously fans were guessing and they're like, oh, no, we're just good friends. We're not. We're not dating. We're not doing this and that. And then obviously they did that episode when Paul leaves the band. And obviously that's based on the real life that Paul was was kind of fed up of it. It wasn't fun for him anymore. And he decided to, to call it a day. So a lot of it is them using their reality of being in the group and, and what have you. I think obviously the America stuff is embellished slightly because obviously they'd be traveling back and forth to America and be filming all of this, all the stuff. So you can imagine this was knackering for them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, 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 it sounds like they were just like, do you know, like um, how a dairy cow or something like that is milked into, you know, like a, like a too heavily farmed thing. It sounds like the, the, um, 
the the label was kind of doing that to them, just like it's just milking every last drop before they yeah. fizzled out, you know. Yeah, and definitely. And I think there was some thing about how, because obviously, like if you sign a record label and you're in a band, like I never, like as a kid, you're naive to it because you don't realize as if you're in a group, the money's divided between however many of you is there. And if you don't write the music, if you don't do the lyrics, if you're not paying for the band and everything like that, all of the money goes to them. So if it was like a pie, they're getting a tiny, tiny slice. Really, they are. And that's how it was with all this manufactured pop bands and and music. And you don't realize that until very very late and you kind of see them kind of telling you the story when they've like long given it up and you hear the stories of how they've been exploited and they have to wake up really early in the morning hardly not getting any sleep if you're not rehearsing you're recording if you're not recording you're doing an interview if you're not doing the interview you're doing dance moves you're doing anything and everything other than not getting sleep so that's how you get trapped into vices like drugs like getting into trouble like lashing out and acting up and just get out of here like cry for help help me help me kind of thing and it's one of those where the Beatles sang it it's a hard day's night and I've been working like a dog it's this is this life is crazy and for most of them they don't sign up for this no it's, it's crazy the, the the amount of work that they do and like you said it's just like the thing is if you, you kind of forget like that at the end of the day that when they sign a contract they sign a contract like you and i would with a job you know you have a certain amount of hours you've got to put in and a certain amount of tasks you need to fulfill within your working day right it's like um and obviously there's just quite a lot more than Mine or yours, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was um, no for them. It was it was it was kind of interesting to kind of hear that. And I think I bumped into an article called "Slaves to the Rhythm: The Pain of Being a Teen Pop Star." This is an article written back in two thousand and one, and I think it was an interview with uh, James Hurst from North and South. And so what he was kind of saying was, and I quote: "So is joining a pop group tantamount to child slavery?" I wouldn't say it it was as harsh as that, much as that would be nice to print in the paper. I think these people all have options and choices and they know what's best for them is to work as hard as they possibly can. The one positive factor is that I'd done the whole pop thing by the time I was 19. I think I gained a lot from the experience and I'm still young enough to carry on doing something completely different. I'm a computer programmer now. Teen Idol is such a great job that you wouldn't pay anybody to do it twice. Like a lot of people, maybe if you tell them, would you do it again? Maybe some of them would be like, yeah, I'll do it again because it's my dream. I want to be a kid. I want to sing on top of the pops or whatever the ambition is in 2020. So it's not top of the pops, but. You do see quite a lot of music stars and film stars and especially child stars. They go a bit bonkers. If yeah. they carry on, you know, when by the time they like reach their late teens and whatever, they normally go a bit, you know, crazy. Because what happens is 
they reach the high so quickly and that high gets taken from them like that. Yeah. And you're like, what the hell happened to that high? It's why, like, I think with footballers, when they retire, they struggle. A lot of footballers struggle because it's like they don't have that adrenaline high of a few minutes before kickoff and you're going out and you're having that adrenaline every Saturday at three o'clock. You've got the, the roar of the crowd and you've got the roar of your, the adulation of your teammates. And it's kind of the same with music where it's like you'll reach that high so, so fast. And then all of a sudden you're, you're nobody and everybody forgets who you are. And it's, and it's on to the next big thing. In a way, my opinion is that that's kind of like passed on to a lot of normal people now with like the with the advent of like social media and stuff because you know you get like ten likes on a post and you're really important next week you haven't got any posts and it's like any likes or whatever and it's um and it's not a not a good thing do you know what I mean you're irrelevant and then yeah because yeah. we'll, uh, we'll talk about the social media aspect with big time rush because even now with with, with S Cup Seven, all all they had again was television, and the fact that their shows were being showed on CBBC every other day or during the week, and they kind of had that free publicity. So let's talk about these shows, and we're starting obviously with uh, Miami Seven. So a little background is yeah, so they're struggling to perform in the UK. Their talent agency sends them to Miami and instead of working and singing, they end up working in a in a rundown hotel owned by Howard and Marvin Belletti. And their job is to clean up the hotel and entertain the guests. And the funny thing was, yeah, they have a strong connection. Every time they put their hands together in the circle and they say, United we stand, divided we fall, a bolt of lightning would spread throughout their arms and while it happened the lightning would shock them and also another cute thing was that they all had the same dream oh i quite like that that how they were like they're like stop dreaming about this or stop you know stuff I, I, I thought that was quite a cool little thing one thing i did notice as well that this was definitely pre-starbucks um like i think i don't know when starbucks was a thing but it because they were in this kind of just like normal cafe kind of thing as a uh, internet internet cafe guests type of thing but yeah it was like a definitely not a starbucksy so i'm guessing you watched the pilot yeah so basically you just blew through two of my episodes pretty much um and i watched three so <laughs> oh yeah so yeah obviously the pilot they're demoralized by a lack of gigs and they're sent to miami to kind of see if they can find their fame and fortune they arrive at the Paradise Hotel expecting a life of luxury, but the hotel manager has other plans for the group. Songs featured in this episode include Everybody Wants Ya and It's a Feel Good Thing, which were two incredibly catchy songs that you would uh, find very difficult to get out of your head. Especially the one they were singing on the aeroplane. Oh, that, I skipped that. Fast-forwarded it, yeah. <laughs> Maybe I should have done that. It was, just, it, was, it, was just, it was just too damn catchy. Damn. I've, I was just looking at, at some, I was looking at some of the extras in the seats. Acting the fool and... Yeah, and I was like, bloop, 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 bloop. 
And then the, and the last episode was Reprise. So their contract with Howard is about to come to an end. And so the gang, they're reflecting on their time in Miami. They meet the star of Alien Hunter, Jill Ward. And she advises them to go to LA if they wanted to find fame and fortune. Marvin and Howard are like, look, S Cup 7 have been really good for us. We're breaking even for the first time ever. Guests love them. They love watching them perform. Obviously, at the end of every episode, they would have one of their songs and they're performing one of their incredibly catchy songs. And so Howard is like contacting the management in the UK. And so he was like, let me keep Escop 7. And so the management was like, uh, actually, you can't keep Escop 7. They're going to come back to the UK. But Howard was like, I can change the contract due to the small print and whatnot. And so Howard is like to the gang, hey, why don't you stay? And they're like, you're awful. We're never going to stay with you. Like, they just basically were like, uh, hell no. And so they're like, we're going to leave. And so they're kind of at the crossroads. So it's left to the airport. It's right to L.A. And so they're thinking, what are we going to do? Should we go home or shall we go to L.A.? And so they decide to go to LA and this is LA7. I think this is where they have the dream. This was really funny. So they're all dreaming that they win awards. And this is where we kind of see their personalities. I love Paul is like, I'd like to thank the Yes Club. No, I want to thank me. I won. Nah, 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 nah. And they all wake up going, Paul, that's really horrible. Why would you thank us? I love Tina going, Tina's on was also my favorite. She's like, um, I want to thank all of my peers. Uh, actually, no, because I'm better than all of them. I, I like the um, I like Paul's award. Uh, Paul's award was uh, the best, the best actor in anything ever, or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, Joe's one was best ballsy blonde with a spanner. <laughs> yeah. John was the posh young JFK, and. I can't remember what Hannah's one was. I think, yeah, just starring in Leonardo with Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt or whatever. And that was that one. And yeah, so the first episode was called Into the Unknown. And yeah, they decided again to return to England. They go to LA and Paul was like, I've got family in Ridgeback Woods. And so the band decides to go to the woods. And then they... You know, despite being told to not go into the woods, they go into the woods and they're obviously, it's like a parody of the Blair Witch Project with the cameras and everything. And the song that they sing is called I'll Be There in order to scare away the animals and whatnot. And that was that episode. The finale was called Goodbye Hollywood. So basically what happens in the middle of all of this is that they meet someone called Joni and she accidentally runs over Bradley with her rollerblades. And in order to make up for this, she decides to let them live in, in her apartment. And so they've been living there and they've been performing at gigs in LA and they're getting up to all sorts in LA. This is probably the series that I remember the most growing up. So they, yeah, they get up to all sorts over there. And so in this episode, they are going to their management and they're like, look, we've been in LA for how long? You ain't got us nothing. You ain't got us gigs. 
we still haven't been signed. And so he's like, wait, wait, wait. There's an interest from a record exec and he might be interested in signing you. So they're like, you know what, whatever. We're all going to pack up and leave and we're going to move on. And Joni's like, oh, please don't leave. You guys should stay a bit longer. And so they decide to head off somewhere. And so the record guy's running going, where are they going? And Joni's like, well, they've gone. And he's like, well, I've I've got uh, interest for them from a record label. They want to sign them. But obviously they've... uh, They've gone off. They've gone off to Hollywood and Hollywood Seven. So yeah, so they decide to give themselves twenty four seven. Twenty four seven. They decide to give themselves twenty four hours to get themselves a manager. They come across a guy called Dean Strickland, and he kind of takes them on as their manager. And so they have to find themselves now a record label. And yeah, so they find a record label willing to sign them. They're actually making a music video. They become a a support act for a Latin heartthrob. They even have their first concert. And yeah, and obviously, like I said, the episode, The Kiss. So Hannah and Paul kiss for the first time. They tell the group. And so they're like, you know what? Shall we carry on? And they were like, look, if you want to go out, you can go out. It's absolutely fine. And so they're like, John does some kind of hypnosis on them going, when I wake up, you guys won't fancy each other. And then they they don't fancy each other. And the last episode of this was, oh, and the song that they sing in this episode was Show Me Your Colours. Again, ridiculously catchy. And The Return, so basically they've broken in America. They've got a top 10 hit. And they are now being told that they have to go home to England because they are being successful in England. So they pack up and they're going back to England and they're reminiscing on everything that's happened to them in America. And yeah, so they have to do one last concert before they leave. And this is where they're saying, have you ever? Viva S Club. So this is taking place after Hollywood 7 and so what happens is that they've got a new manager now, Mr. Wendell Baum, and he decides to send the group to Barcelona so that they can write their new album. They all get really, really homesick and they have to obviously live in Spain. They've got their own housekeeper now, Maria and they're disappointed because nobody recognizes them in spain and in this series obviously like i said goodbye is the is the hardest word so this is when paul he's basically talking to hannah going look i want to leave the band you gotta let me tell the others in my own time and he wants kind of hannah to help him out with that all of them are not taking it well because they're like, why, why are you going to leave? Is it something that we did? And yeah, so he's like, look, I've, 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 I've had a day. I'm going to call it a day. It's, it's been too long. And yeah, it's time for me to move on with my life. And so he leaves. And then the last episode, oh, and the song is Hello, Friend. And in the series finale, they all start to feel really, really homesick. 
and basically Tina's got an ex-boyfriend who's part of the mafia and she breaks up with him and there's like an amazing like chase where they're like running away from the Tina's boyfriend's dad so they basically reach the docks and they jump on a ship leaving for England and so they're just like you know what hey we're just gonna jump on a ship we're gonna jump on a ship and we're gonna go back to England and the song in this episode is called Discotech. Now, this is going to be a really fun little game I can play with you because you don't know nothing about nothing. <laughs> so if I was to take a stab, if you was to take a stab in the dark and you was to say that one of them had a relatively successful solo run, which one would you say? Rachel Stevens. Is it because you know this? or I think she's one of the most well-known outside of S Club 7. That's, my, that's why I'm guessing. Well, you would be right to guess that because once S Club 7 had decided to split, she released her solo debut album, Funky Dory, in September 2003. And she had her first hit, Sweet Dreams, My LAX, which peaked at number two in the UK charts. I remember that song. And then she... How do you know this song? <laughs> no idea. How could you possibly know this song? But anyway... She also had um, a charity record, Some Girls, which was, again, I think it was a cover of a song. And then she had another catchy cover song, More, 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 How Do You Like It, How Do You Like It. And she came second in Strictly Come Dancing in 2008. Hannah Spirit, she, after S Club 7 broke up, she actually starred in Agent Cody Banks 2 and she went on to appear in either Holby City or Casualty, I can't remember which one. Love both of them, great shows. And she joined the cast of EastEnders as Candice Taylor, the sister of established character Karen. So she kind of did alright for herself. I think Bradley tried to give it a go solo but it never really worked out for him. John did a lot of panto. Tina, I think, kind of stepped away from the business and kind of did her own thing. Joe initially had signed with Sanctuary Records and released her debut solo single, What Hurts the Most, which peaked at number 13. She released her debut album, Relentless, and music critics actually thought the album was polished and well-constructed and better than other ex-boy band and girl band albums, citing the fact that she had a very strong voice. Now here comes the controversy. She appeared on Celebrity Big Brother, and along with Jade Goody and Daniel Lloyd, Joe was accused of racist bullying towards a fellow contestant who was Indian actress Shilpa Shetty, and it resulted at the time in a record number of complaints to Ofcom national and international media coverage and condemnatory statements from the British and Indian governments. I remember this. This was crazy how this, like, we're watching it and there were little things that they would do and it was really uncomfortable. Like, they were really going in for this Shilpa girl and it was, yeah, like, the racism was you're we're like watching it unfold and obviously this was at the time when that kind of overt racism 
it wasn't as brazen as it is now as it is right now like back then it was kind of if it was racism it was kind of sort of hidden under the carpet very covert so you're seeing this outward show like they would say things like shilpa popadom and i remember all of this controversy when it when it happened I, I i never watched big brother i think i watched one series and that was for when i was studying tv um so i was i was aware of it because probably because i was delivering papers and reading it as i was going along um uh, but yeah uh didn't watch it live but obviously i know all about this yeah this was like and it's it's it's, it's hard to kind of because it's we're watching it in the flesh and you know what the worst thing it was was Joe was just part of the group. She wasn't one of the main people. It was Jade and it was Jade mainly. And yeah, Joe I think she got most of the fun, didn't she? And you kind of latched on to her. And everyone's watching this like, what the hell is going on? This is unacceptable and this is crazy. Like we shouldn't allow this. And what Jade kind of did in the aftermath was she went on TV because obviously she was a reality star. So she went on TV, cried her eyes out. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to do all of this. She went to India, did a whole promote, not promotional tour, but she did like a whole, I'm sorry tour in India. And she hugged the cow and she went to the Indian big brother house and, Everything that goes along with that. And Daniel Lloyd did the whole, I was very young and that's not reflective of my behaviour and what have you. And so that kind of left Joe, they kind of left her hanging really. And she kind of took a lot of the flack, which, you know, she was part of that group. And so whatever happens and whatever record deal and whatever her reputation if that kind of went away with that then there's very i can't say that i feel sorry for her because if you're racist and you was on tv where millions and millions of people watched you then you kind of torch your own reputation that's that's on you joe not on anybody else and that kind of knocked her confidence for six and kind of knocked her into a whole thing. And she kind of disappeared into a hole. And I think kind of after that, her, Bradley and Paul for a while performed as S Club 3. So they would go and perform in Butlins. They would go perform at Freshers' Fair to incredibly drunk students who probably want to reminisce their childhood in the 90s. It's quite a... A decent little uh a decent little wager i would say and tina ended up replacing paul and so it'd be tina joe and bradley performing and then in 2014 it was confirmed that all seven members of s cup seven reunite for the children in need and so they did a whole performance a medley of their songs do like a good medley I die like a good medley. I remember when this came on, I was like, gas, it was like, hey, S Club 7, what's up? And so let's, yeah, talk about the performance. I mean, I, I sent it to you and I'm glad you watched it. I mean, first thing I was going to say is, right, so we all know what auto tune is, right? I think we can 
safely say that. The guy that was operating it was either on holiday, maybe he stepped out for a bathroom break, whatever it was. But whenever Joe came on the mic, he was not present and correct. Like she was, and it was she was out of tune, and it was bad. Like, um, there's a really I'm not sure. I think it's a Beyonce was singing, and it's quite a famous viral clip where she gave she puts the mic to this girl's like an audience member's mouth, and this weird noise comes out of this girl's mouth. <laughs> um, I, I, I think it's Beyonce, and anyway, she, 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 even she cracks a bit of a smile about it. Um, and but it's like that; it's really bad. Like, like, like honestly, like she couldn't, she couldn't sing. I thought anyway. Look, it's it's crazy because I'm watching that, and it's like you wouldn't think Joe was the lead singer of this group. Yeah, exactly. And you think would she not was think act- that. She was acting like the lead singer, but she didn't have the vocals to back it up. I think there's a lot of well mitigating reasons so one is that that's the first time all seven of them were performing together in a decade also children in need yo i reckon 10 15 million are watching that on the bbc so there's that massive audience are watching that you've got the fact that joe's confidence with the whole Big Brother thing was knocked on a loopy and you're not performing in front of drunk students at Freshers Fair or Butlins. This is like the real deal. And so for that, you can kind of hear like it was pitchy. It was, like you said, out of tune. If it wasn't for Bradley, it would have been a nigh-on disaster. Like Bradley held it together. One thing I noticed, he's just like, Obviously, this has been what ten years, like you said, but it's it's like um, he completely changed his image. Like he was he was rocking the whole thing. I was like, yeah. yeah. Like I was thinking, like, do you thinking? Like when you're singing, don't stop moving. I was like, God, do you thinking? Like tell him. And he's like singing, he's dancing. He's he's the only one that was holding a note in that performance. Whereas the others, bless them, it's been a minute. But you know what? They actually went on tour, and by all accounts, the tour was very good. Oh, really? Like they managed to get their ish together. They've managed to sort it all out. I've seen like a few clips on the internet here and there of their performances, and yeah, they. To be fair, it was a lot better than what you saw on Children in Need. Yeah, I mean that wasn't great performance, was it? But I think like that's. I think pretty much across the board, you could say that that wasn't even them. I'm sure they'll say that wasn't the performance that they yeah. would have wanted at that time. But you know what? I think they did it. It was good for them because they did it right. They're back together. It was over with. Yeah. Whether it was good, whether it was bad, indifferent, they did it. We performed. We we did the show. There it is, and we promised we're going to be a lot better on the UK tour. And by all accounts, they definitely were they worked themselves into shape they would do choreography because i think s club seven's choreography for the most part i actually thought it was pretty decent yeah i mean it's good but it's so like outdated that's kind of dancing and singing that is like a year six girls back in like our time (laughs) thing and it's like watching it now it's like cringy it is didn't say cringy but like obviously if you're gonna be in a group and you're gonna dance then dance 
Yeah, I mean, but it's not like um, diversity. I mean, not not, dancing, not on the it? children in need. Not on the children in need performance. I'm talking about way before. Yeah, I'm not talking about children in need. I think even even some of the choreography looked a bit. I think <laughs> Paul ain't getting down on the floor anymore. He's he'd getting be able, to, he'd be able to do the worm for he's poor getting down on the floor, like he's doing the worm, but it's like Paul ain't getting down on the floor ever again. Or he's staying there if he does. Tina's doing a dance, uh, yeah, just about doing her dance, yeah. I mean, I'll... I mean, Bradley can swing, I mean, Black Excellence, baby, he was absolutely killing it, like in, in his bit in reach. Because obviously you had like Joe's like where you feel da, 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 da. like Bradley's bit was like holding the note. I'm like, go on, King. Like, yeah, he was smashing you, it. King. Like you, <laughs> like without Bradley, that performance would have fell apart at the scenes. But like I said, they they'd got their act together by the time they went on tour, and they had a very successful sold out UK tour. And I think there's even talk of them maybe coming back for their twentieth anniversary, but. Whether or not, uh, nah. What don't. do you mean, nah? Please don't. I think. Do you know? Um, if there's a way for them to make a buck, then why yeah, are you going to the... deny them uh, to make a buck? But that's the thing. It's literally just doing it for Dosh now. It's like you know, so like put put a penny in. Like most a, of them are all parents, so they got kids to put through college, mouths to feed. Why are you going to deny them to make a buck? You know what, S Cup Seven. I hope we all get back together, man. Go, go get your money. There's, there is money in nostalgia, which is why I'm doing a podcast on nostalgia. Okay. <laughs> there's money. In, there's, there yeah. is, there is, there is money in this S Cup. Go out there. You, you go get your S Cup on. Get your S Cup party on. Get your bring it all back. Do you have a favorite S Cup Seven song? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, the thing the thing is, like, um, obviously, like those songs were like part of my childhood. You know, like, I grew up with these like songs, but they're listening to them. They're so ridiculously irritating now. Um, but like I said, if it came on the radio and I couldn't reach the radio, I would probably be singing along to it because it's just like these songs are, like you said, so catchy and so bouncy. But I think. So but, damn catchy. But I think that's like the the thing is like a cynical adult now is that <laughs> you're just like, ah, it's too happy. Strap. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. Stop singing about, you know, don't stop, never give up, reach for the stars. Ain't reaching for no stars now. <laughs> we got the Rona to deal with. Ain't no reaching for no stars. Don't stop moving. I've stopped moving years ago. With my dodgy back and and what have you, so I think S Club Party. I'll probably say that is the, the one S Club Seven song that will have will we'll have will have people acting the damn fool when you hear that song come on. They're all <laughs> they're all the same, like it's, it's Simon Fuller, of... baby. As Simon Fuller, got 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 to make that quick buck by releasing the most ridiculously catchy songs. So. Any game. any last thoughts on? Uh, DS Club Seven. No, I mean it's just astonishing how their schedule was the uh, like filming everything there is to be filmed and then releasing all these singles and doing everything. It's, that's that in itself, man. That's like a that's like a um, that's a solid effort from everyone. Yeah, yeah, definitely, 
definitely. And yeah, shout out to S Club Seven and uh, please answer your emails and talk to me. I appreciate <laughs> that very, very much. <laughs> and uh, finally, now we're coming on to Big Time Rush. So their TV show came out in November 2009. And some of the things happening in the world. Jose Mujica was announced as the winner of the runoff election in Uruguay the day before. Rival factions in Madagascar agreed to form a unity government and end the political crisis in the country. Scientists in South Island, New Zealand, discovered the first dinosaur footprints in the country, which is thought to be 70 million years old. The Twilight Saga, New Moon, was in the cinemas. And let's see if we can get three out of three. Party in the USA by Miley Cyrus was in the charts. Nah, two out of three this week. I know who Miley Cyrus is, Hannah Montana. I think Jesse J wrote this song. Nah, it doesn't ring a bell to me. Ah! Nearly, nearly. Two out of three again. Dang. Again, um, Big Time Rush, they were an American pop music boy band formed in 2009. The group consisted of Kendall, James, Logan and Carlos. Nickelodeon signed Big Time Rush to a record deal in 2009, simultaneously with the TV series Big Time Rush. And then Nickelodeon partnered with Columbia to produce a show and include the original music to the show. For the series, they released Big Time Rush as a, a single, and that was released when the show came out. And it debuted during a one hour special preview of the series. And it is obviously the show's opening theme. And in that series, they also released other singles, including City is Ours and Any Kind of Guy. February 2011 was when they released Boyfriend. And this was their first official single to mainstream US radio. And it's their probably their most successful song to date. And they were presented as a child-friendly group that have musical differences. In a review of their first studio album, Jessica Dawson from Common Sense Media wrote, and I quote, Big Time Rush is a standout, not only because of their boyish charm and good looks, but because their music is a cool blend of synth pop, hip hop, and boy band harmonies. And the sound of the band is described as pop inspired dance rock. And compared to the other boy bands of the time, such as One Direction and The Wanted, Michelle O'Connell, from the Hollywood Reporter said, and I quote, One Direction is but one group in this resilient and timeless fad. They follow the recent success of fellow Brits and Nickelodeon's cross-market creation. One Direction is a fluke. Two, The Wanted is a coincidence. And three, Big Time Rush is a trend you want, you want to father your unborn children. I don't really get that. Melinda Newman from the Washington Post stated that Big Time Rush is a sim- are similar to the Monkees with its own TV series as a launchpad, and the group appeals to kids, tweens, teens, and adults. They are also credited as the pop group that have once again restored credibility, relevance, and for relaunching boy bands back into the public eye once again. In Parade Magazine's 2012 poll, Big Time Rush was voted the best boy band in the world, topping both One Direction and The Wanted. 
Over 800,000 votes were also cast. The band was featured on the cover of the August 5th, 2012 issue of Parade, which is a national top seller. And an interview and photo set highlighting the group's win that coincided with the honour was featured in the same issue. The magazine's website also featured the group amongst its list of greatest boy bands of all time, along with NSYNC and the Backstreet Boys. Big Time Rush have been honoured and recognised multiple times by major media outlets throughout their time as a group. The Washington Times magazine ranked Big Time Rush number 15 of their top 20 best boy bands of the decade in 2012 and number 28 on the Pop Goes the Charts website of the top 40 best boy bands of the past 25 years. And in terms of their albums, they managed to release three albums, BTR, which stands for Big Time Rush in 2010, Elevate in 2011, and 24-7 in 2013. They had won multiple awards, including the Golden Bravo Otto Awards for Super Pop Artist and Group of the Year. They had won Favourite Song in the Argentina Kids' Choice Awards, Favourite Music Group in the Kids' Choice Awards, and Favourite Artist or Group International in Columbia Kids' Choice Awards. Their singles include Any Kind of Guy, Halfway There, Famous, City Is Ours, Till I Forget About You, they managed to do a collaboration with rapper Snoop Dogg for Boyfriend, and that peaked at number four in the charts. Worldwide, Music Sounds Better With You featuring Man, Elevate, Windows Down, Like Nobody's Around, 24-7, and We Are. And in terms of the TV show, so yeah, it kind of focuses on four hockey players from Duluth, Minnesota. And they are selected to form a boy band to fictional mega music producer Gustavo Rock. And yeah, so in terms of the show, the official premiere was watched by a total of 6.8 million total viewers, which is Nickelodeon's highest rated live action series debut. And the show itself receives mixed reviews. The Pittsburgh Post-Gazette stated that the show was, and I quote, Nick's attempt at building a Jonas Brothers-type boy band. It's Nick's answer to Disney Channel's Jonas, albeit slightly less organic since Rush don't feature siblings. The Hartford Courant stated the series a not-so-good show with their thin pop and unfunny comedies. Ouch. The Boston Globe stated the show as one example in a growing list of kids shows selling showbiz fantasies to children. The genre is stronger than ever now and more fixated on the perks of the glamorous Hollywood lifestyle. Wish fulfillment at a time when tabloid dreams are ubiquitous. DVD Talk had the following review of Big Time Rush. And what they said was, it would be hard to craft a description engineered to be less interesting to me and yet, as I ploughed through this collection from the series' beginnings, I frequently found myself amended and entertained. Say what you will about Nickelodeon's team programming, but they've got the art of making a solid sitcom down to a science. And before I pass on to you, what, Car what Carlos had said in terms of the concept of having a TV show was, and I quote, I think the music could stand alone, but I don't know if it would be as powerful. The show has definitely been our main audience. We have 4 million kids watching. So when you put a song out, 4 million kids hear it. 
when you put a song on the radio, you're not going to have 4 million people listening. It's a blessing and a curse being on Nickelodeon. It's gotten us to where we are now. Though some people are so standoffish to us because of that. But we have to be grateful that Nickelodeon gave us the opportunity. Abandoning the show would not be the best idea. So, big time rush. Uh, yeah, another one that's just came like straight out of the blue for me. Um, yeah, in fairness, I wasn't too familiar with them either. I didn't realise it was out even now until you said I didn't realise it was out in like um, at the same time as like One Direction because they seem like the big boys. So, you know, they were kind of ones to beat at the time, if you like. Cause, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. They're like, did they come out of X Factor? Was that was that a band that came out of X Factor? Yeah, One Direction was X Factor. Yeah, so they're kind of like, you know, these like with huge corporate machines behind them that just want to churn out money. Um, I think it's like, it's it's, it's like what you what we were talking about earlier about the um, have a TV show so you get the audience and and but then it seems like that you don't really get taken that seriously in the industry if you've got a TV show as well. Do you know? What I mean, it's like it's kind of like you're a bit of a joke band you know that's what it seems like to me in itself though the show actually i i enjoyed quite a lot just as just taking everything out the tv show was actually quite good um there's a there's a few things that are stupid i hated the 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 nickelodeon sound effects like when they move around it's like and like this this stuff like drove me crazy um all in all i thought this was quite a good show but I do think like the reason why they will add all of those gimmicks is to overcompensate the fact that they're not actors. They are singers first. And I think that reflects on S Cup 7 and North and South that they would do, they would go out of their way to try and make something and they were trying to design something because they're not, they're not actors. You can't just tell them, right, go and act this, go and portray this emotion or that emotion. You'd have to go out of your way to make it as stupid or as wacky and goofy as possible. Yeah, and I think the thing is, I think like on one hand that detracts from them as musicians, and on the other hand, it's also it's also kind of like a bit of a kick in the teeth for proper actors as well. Do you see what I mean? Because like someone's just coming in and like making a mockery out of their profession, um, and then on the other hand, you've got other musicians in the sidelines like what are you doing <laughs> yeah. you know because because obviously if you're on the if you're if you're a band and you don't have a tv show you're kind of looking on thinking man i wish i had four million people watching me yeah hearing yeah. my songs that's a really good point about so the radio can, yeah what carlos was saying about radio play like four million people aren't going to be listening to the radio yeah, yeah. but I people mean... are going to be watching us no and, matter and what all... And also, like people that are listening to the radio, like the major—I'm going to like go on a limb and say the majority of people that listen to the radio are in a vehicle, uh, and therefore probably unable to search for the song or download it. And by the time they've they've got to their destination, they've listened to umpteen other songs and have forgotten all about it. So, and I think with Big Time Rush, they kind of came. Do I want to say just before? Well, because they kind of came when social media was kind of being born. So what I think what music acts will now do is what they will they will build a following on social media, gather as much momentum as possible on social media, appeal to one or two people, and then from there it will kind of grow onwards. 
And I think for Big Time Rush, I think they just about missed it. They kind of came just as it was taken off, as opposed to when One Direction were a thing, social media was a thing. Twitter was big. People were tweeting, 1D, One Direction Army, all the, the kind of revival of boy bands. I think they owe a lot to Big Time Rush because... By the time it was the early 2000s, I think boy bands kind of disappeared and then they kind of made a comeback through Big Time Rush. And Big Time Rush were kind of like the first in a long, long time to kind of come out and be a group. And you could see they had a following and they had a fan base, but it wasn't enough to like elevate them to where they were selling the records that One Direction was selling. Because like One Direction were moving numbers at a ridiculous rate. Like they were they were doing Beatles numbers, One Direction. In the UK, America, the whole world. And they had built their following on Twitter. And it just kind of went all around the world. Boom, 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 boom. Connected, connected, connected. And all of a sudden you've got like a legion of fans in their millions who are gonna buy your music, who are going to listen to your music, who are going to vote for you in every music award conceivable, who are going to buy tickets to watch you perform. Like One Direction are probably, in my opinion, one of, if not the biggest draws of the last 20, 30 years, in my opinion, in terms of sales. Whether or not I like the music, mm, it's not for me. Damn, if I don't like it, but you can't deny that they push ridiculous numbers. And for Big Time Rush, they did the collaboration with Snoop Dogg and that kind of got them as far as they could. But it wasn't enough to where they were going to compete with One Direction or even, even The Wanted and compete with those guys because they took off in America and they kind of sold a lot and they moved a lot of a lot of numbers yeah um i mean this it, it, for me they were kind of like a um they were kind of an in-betweeny band so they weren't quite pop to be called pop band and they and they had the kind of image of like rockers you know punk punk pop punk rockers punk pop sort of like bowling for soupy kind of thing um but then they didn't have the music to fit into that category either. It was still very boy band. It was still very. Yeah, I mean, you can once thing you can you can see that's changed the whole of this whole, it, uh, this whole boy band pop thing. It's just it literally just how much has changed. It's just physically like looking at it, the whole thing has changed. I think it's become more to do with the singing. Boy bands back then, you got to be able to do some shapes, bust a move. With Big Time Rush. I thought the choreography was basic AF. Yeah, that's you're absolutely right. Yeah, it's like, but but it was and, mainly uh, that they were singing, and that was the most important thing. We need to be able to sing, and when we're doing shows, we need to be able to sing live. No miming, no water tune. We need to sing, and and no reverb as well. Yeah, yeah. And in terms of the television show, I yeah, again, I thought it was really fun. Again, the overacting, the wackiness, it kind of 
led on to what they were trying to do. So yeah, let's 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 go into the TV shows. I know the uh, the pilot was a, a forty five minute, and I'm guessing you watched the first part. Um, so I watched up to the bit where they go, and not including the bit where they go to LA. Okay, Did they go to LA. Uh, yeah, Hollywood. Yeah, so I I I I got to the bit where they get up to that bit. Oh, okay. So yeah, so obviously it's starts with them playing hockey in Minnesota, which is so standard because that's where the Mighty Ducks are from. And obviously Minnesota is probably a big hockey city or peeble peewee. It's hockey, cold. Yeah. yeah, very very cold. And yeah, so basically. Gustavo Rock is basically conducting a talent show and he wants to find uh, the next big thing. He's like the Simon Cowell, isn't he? Yeah. And yeah, so basically they all... James wants to be the singer out of the group. So he's like the one that's singing. He wants to be famous so badly. And all the others are kind of like, meh, meh. We just want to play hockey. We just want to hang out. And so, yeah, so they're at the audition. James messes up. And so they're all singing, you're such a giant turd, it's such a giant turd, and I wish you were a turd, you're such a giant turd. I actually kind of like that song. And so Gustavo's like to Kendall, hey, I want you, you're, you're, you're the guy that I want to push, you're the guy I want to build. And so all the others, and he's like, uh, no, I just want to stay here and play hockey. And so everyone's like to him, are you crazy? Why are you going to turn it down? And James is like, you know what? I'm not going to talk to you because A, you stole my dream and B, you don't even want to take it. That's how stupid you are. And so Kendall is like, so you all want to go to LA, right? And they're like, yeah, we'd love to. And so he goes to Gustavo. Um, I'm not going to go without all these guys. And so Kendall's parents or Kendall's mom and his little sister joins them along for the ride. And so they end up in Hollywood and they basically struggle to fit in because everyone is very, very stuck up and Hollywood and what have you. And Gustavo's manager is like, basically, yeah, you've got three days to come up with something. Otherwise, your little experiment is going to flop. And so he's basically trying to whip them into shape. They're basically mucking about because they don't really want to do it. And he's basically trying to write them all the songs that he used to write for all these different boy bands in the 90s, such as Boyzone, and not Boyzone, Boyzone's a real name band, but like Boys in the Woods and things like that. And he's like, I did all this. And they're like, uh, you're outdated. And so they're all like, you know what, what are we going to do? Are we going to dump the puck or go big time rush? I think that's a hockey term, dump the puck whatever the hell that means in hockey. And so they think, you know what? Right, let's go in there and we're going to... They basically tell Gustavo, look, we're not going to sing any of your silly little songs. We're going to sing a song about what it's like being uh, four hockey boys from Minnesota. And so they sing the song. And so the record label is like, fine, you can stay for another three months and you can record a whole album and what have you. And that's how the band are formed and the journey begins. Obviously, the songs include Famous and Big Time Rush. Season two starts with Welcome Back Big Time. So they're coming back from their six-week triumphant tour and they have to catch up with the schoolwork that they've missed and they need to maintain a C-plus average in order to attend Rocktoberfest. 
and basically they leave it all to Logan to try and do all of their experiments and basically they're trying to cheat so that they can get their pass and the teacher's like yeah basically you can't cheat you all need to do this project otherwise you're all going to fail and you can't sing and dance and so Logan has to do all of their science projects and they're basically doing one where they're trying to put watermelon and a watermelon I don't know can a watermelon yeah can a watermelon make toast and there are and obviously Gustavo's like what the hell are you doing he's like this is a C plus project all right so yeah basically yeah they uh and the others so um Kendall is basically trying to find his girlfriend and he's worried about how she might be seeing another guy because they're starring in a play together and so he becomes too paranoid and overbearing the other two Carlos and James are worried about them losing their reps in the Hollywood Hollywood place that they're staying at but yeah eventually it all comes together and yeah they managed to get their C plus and they managed to perform at Oktoberfest not Oktoberfest Rocktoberfest not Oktoberfest. And yeah, the song that they sing is Till I Forget About You. And the last episode is Big Time Move. So basically the boys are tired of squabbling all the time. So they decide to move out. And Kendall is trying to get them all back together. So that they can go on their worldwide tour. And so he basically brings them together by reminding them of all the good thing, good things that they do together. And they managed to go on their big European tour. So season three. Yeah. So um, first of all, um, I watched a spoiler list. Um, so spoiler alert for anyone. I think I've got told off that before. Um, there's a, there's like a top 10 moments on YouTube. And I, I looked through this um, to, to, to try and get an idea of what to look out for what to expect or you know how kind of how how this progressed after watching the the pilot um uh, in a rundown from 10 to 9 um well so 10 to 1 was um the moment kendall is nasty to gustavo right at the beginning where he's like singing on the table and kicking this food at him uh giant turd song yeah uh, and then gustavo nine was gustavo's nemesis gets out and frames them and then they get into like, this superhero kind of thing um and it and it, it was explaining that and i quite like this was that it wasn't afraid to just try new things go all out wacky they're superheroes in this episode whatever you know like shoot it proper comic book style um that, that i thought was quite cool uh and then the oh, halloween special was in number eight where they turn into monsters and do some get up to shenanigans um uh the camille logan will they won't they was number seven um six was go to oh so this was the one where um this is the episode that i wanted to watch but never did because it was listed wrong on the um on the series watch online thing um so this is it's called uh bel air rush this episode and it's it, it, it is series three episode three a warning on some of the sites it was list it was under i don't know where it was but there's the second one the Not second that link. we recommend people watching it on dodgy sites. Watch it on the Nickelodeon website. 
Oh yeah, watch on Nickelodeon website, series three, episode three. That's where I watched it. Of course um, you did. <laughs> um, series three, episode three is called Bella Rush, and this one um, is about they 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 they're... so I watched the one previous to this. So basically, they I can go through my episode and I can go on to this one and what I'm expecting from it. So so basically, they 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 get back from a tour, which I'm guessing this is October Rocktoberfest thing that they've they were on in the finale and they're now famous they're like they've hit the big time and everyone the paparazzi fans um whoever's all of this hotel that they're staying at they think they're gonna be nobody's but everyone's hounding them um and in this episode logan wants to be with um camille and camille wants to be with him but they don't want to make the first move assuming because they had some like kind of off and on in previous previous episodes um so kind of everyone's hounding them um uh the the idea in this episode was that uh, gustavo and i can't remember the owner's name of the actual record label so gustavo is like the music producer guy and there's an owner of it as well and griffin, the owner yeah yes yeah, that's right yeah so so griffin wants a particular song to to be their next song and the uh, Gustavo wants a different song to be their next song. Um, they've been invited on a radio station, and Griffin calls. Uh, what's his? What's that guy's name? Um, I forgot one of the guy's names. Can't remember what his name is. Um, uh, he calls him into the car and says, "Listen, this is going to be your song." And then Griffin calls him and says, "No, like this is going to be the song that you're going to announce as the next song." Um, it's already recorded. They just need to kind of do the uh, announce it and go into their radio station or whatever and whole things are kind of like <clears throat> to and from and when they're arguing griffin and gustavo when they're saying the name of the song which i can't remember what it is watching and find out it's, it's actually a really funny episode where so they say if the song is whatever the name of the song is when they say the name of the song it when they say like the the title the title is in uh how it's actually sung by the boys so the, the kind of music comes out of their mouth when they talk the name of the song and 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 so it's kind of they're having a fight and the music's coming out of their mouth and this when i say it, it's not reference it's not something that the characters can actually hear but as audience we can hear it and i've really enjoyed that little kind of to and fro um then uh kendall and james are fighting over lucy and they have this kind of like um this list on the fridge where um things that you can have dibs on like you can have dibs on the front seat you can have dibs on food you can have dibs on, and girls is on the list and um i think it was kendall that called dibs on lucy so he says so that means that she's off now and uh james can't can't be with her or, or vice versa and and lucy kind of gets a hump about it she says why can you dibs me but i can't dibs you and then so she kind of dibs kendall and then but she's only messing with him she doesn't want to be with him and the, the the if you if you do something against the dibs, then you have to run through a public area in your underwear. That's the forfeit. Um, so he, I think, uh, so I think Kendall has to do that. Uh, and then at the end, um, they say, right, we're going to take the dibs girls off the dibs list. They're not allowed to be on the dibs because it's not fair on the girls and and whatnot. And then they said. Then they all eat the food, and there's a little girl. I don't know what her name is. She kind of popped up out of nowhere. It's got to be um, Katie. Katie, so uh, little girl. Little brother. 
Yeah, so she was sitting on the, on the sofa and she says, you do realise that you're eating each other's food and you can't because they've all dibsed it. So then they all had to run through this public area in her underwear and all the paparazzi are snapping photos and stuff. Now, so on to the next episode, which is the one I'm going to watch after this, is um, the one I wanted to watch, series three, episode three, where because of the hounding and stuff on the um, in the hotel that they're in, they decide to move to a really nice area where they won't get hounded as much and they can shut the gates and whatever. So they move, decide to move to Bel Air. <laughs> and uh, the, 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 the neighbor, there's like this kind of very close knit neighborhood and this and that and the other. And I think it's one of those things where they want to, um, it seems like a good idea, then it's not all as it seems and, and they get, they don't, they don't want to move out. This is the kind of synopsis. Don't want to ruin it for myself or anyone else. But basically, the um, they, they don't want to live there anymore and they want to move out. And the neighborhood, switch on them and said no you can't move out no one's allowed to move out of Bel Air and the head of the neighborhood watch is um Alfonso Ribeiro how do you say his last name yeah so um so this is Carlton from Fresh Prince um now I'm unclear if he's actually called Carlton in the episode but he's in Bel Air and he's playing like a funny character in it so I'm definitely going like the the trailer of the, the little clips of this episode look really funny so it's about him trying to stop them from moving out of bel-air because then bel-air would because bel-air would look bad if anyone ever moved out of it so um uh it looks like a really funny episode two or three episode three if anyone wants to watch that uh and then that was me that was that was me with uh big time rush cool so the final season season four starts with big time invasion so the new british boy bands are invading the music business and Big Time Rush are afraid that they're going to have to end their career. So in order to try and save their careers, they decide to hire new managers. But they disagree on who they're going to go with. So Kendall and Carlos decided to go with one manager and James and Logan with the second. And yeah, so they basically... that They have to kind of do their job like nobody's around. And they realize that these managers that they're hiring are fairly useless. And Katie is trying to find a best friend to talk about boys. So she's trying to think, oh, no, I need to find another girl who's my age and like-minded as me. And the problem is that Palm Woods, where they're staying, basically is turning into a business place. So no kids are coming anymore. It's just basically adults and they're there because of the free wi-fi but mr blitters mr bitters not blitters bitters he basically becomes kate's friend and he's talking to her about all the, the stuff that she wants to talk about so she finds her friend and then the boys basically go back to gustavo and they're like you know what what we're gonna do is we're gonna figure this all out and we're gonna we're gonna f- figure out how to beat these boy band invasions who are coming and the finale of big time rush so i think this was called big time dream so all four guys basically have a dream that they want to try and accomplish something and they want to try and do something so james basically wants to meet up with his girlfriend who was on tour in europe logan he what was his dream but i can't remember his one carlos's dream is basically him he wants to basically have a girlfriend and kendall's dream we're gonna find out later on in the end 
And so, yeah, this is the annual T. This is the annual Tween Choice Awards, which is a parody of the annual Teen Choice Awards. And they're nominated. Basically, all the boy bands are nominated for all these kind of awards. So you have a lot of superstars who were very famous at the time. So you had people like Mindless Behavior, Austin Mahone, and some other folk that I can't remember their names. And they nominate for all these kind of awards. But in between, like, nominated and being around... Oh, Nick Cannon was in this episode. Oh, Nick Cannon. Controversial. Who's Nick Cannon? Um, I'm not sure if I have time. If you don't know it, then don't worry about it. But what I was going to say was, yeah, Nick Cannon was in this. And obviously, he's been involved in a bunch of controversial things recently. So, uh... Yeah, that's uh, Nick Cannon. But um, yeah, so in between, they're trying to figure out their dreams and they're trying to make it a reality. A lot of stuff happens, a lot of gimmicks. So also there's a thing where um, there's an evil plot to brainwash everyone in the audience so that they can enjoy mac and cheese and be addicted to the mac and cheese that some companies trying to sell. So they have to try and stop this evil man and his evil plot and so they have to like every time they've been nominated for award they have to make sure that they're sitting down and then once they've kind of been nominated and not win they run off and try and fulfill their dreams long story short james manages to catch up with his girlfriend carlos manages to get a girlfriend in the form of a spy girl and Kendall's dream was just ultimately them being together. And it's funny because they were like basically fighting off the baddies and they win the award and they're basically running to the stage because everyone's like, where are Big Time Rush? And Nick Cannon's like, uh, Big Time Rush, where are you? And so they run onto the award, they run onto the stage, they collect their award, they sing their song. And, and they go their separate ways. Well, something along those lines. And Kendall's saying, look, this is my dream. The fact that all four of us are together. We live, we, we've lived our dream. We've had a good run. And yeah, this is what we've done for our entire lives. And I wouldn't change it for anything in the world. And in April, Big Time Rush actually reunited. And they did a... They had a Zoom reunion and they basically did a, a, an acoustic version of this song worldwide, which I thought was very nice. The performance was really good, you know, because of the whole coronavirus and every, everything moving to Zoom. Sounds like they were jumping on the Zoom uh, musical um, bandwagon. Pretty much. It was, it was cool. I know Backstreet Boys did, did that. Backstreet Boys. I grew up with two sisters. If I never hear a Backstreet Boys song again, it'll be too soon. And yeah, that was a big time rush. Any last thoughts on this show? No, I thought it was a fairly well put together, like show. Like, um, mm. it's I enjoyed Nickelodeon, it. so yeah, it was I, always going to be on point. All of these shows this week, I enjoyed watching them as TV shows. Like, yeah, there, there, there wasn't like um, a thing where I was like, "Oh, come on, this is a bit boring" or whatever. This is stupid. Or this is parts of it that I, I didn't like of, of of all three shows but um generally as a tv show i enjoyed watching it and even again i'm going to go and watch that show that the, the episode that i missed hmm. um not not 
well, well, accidentally missed, but yeah, I will watch it again. No, yeah, but I think the 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 wackiness is was there to just kind of hide the fact that okay, these guys are not professional actors. Yeah, we can't, we can't expect them to express and convey wide range of emotions. Absolutely, we just have to get them to do it at a certain level, and hopefully, it'll be good enough for audiences. And for the most part, I think for all three shows, they were. All three shows had their own charm. Again, you're going to hear all the music in the background and they're all incredibly catchy. And particularly for S Club 7 and Big Time Rush, yeah, go and check out this stuff. It's all on the... uh, Wherever you listen to music, you can go and listen to them. North and South isn't on those platforms, but, you know, maybe one day. If people care enough, they might have their... uh, music on those particular sites so now we're gonna have to rank these shows from three down to one so i've i've got my top one but i'm i think i think i've got it but it's very tight between two and three yeah my whole list is really tight to be honest but i know i'm gonna go for so if you want to kick off right a clear winner for me we'll start from uh... no no start from three and then go to one okay so at three but close uh, S Club 7. Um, do you want to do your three? Oh, my 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 three was No Sweat. Only because only because there wasn't really enough to... I'm, I'm being really harsh because there wasn't enough to watch. There wasn't enough to kind of sink my teeth into and say, yeah, this was what I liked and decipher it and break it down. And I thought... And I, I, what I'm doing is I'm doing it based on everything. Based on the music, based on choreography, based on acting based on everything everything and so yeah for me no sweat has to be number three yeah as it, i'm just doing it as it hit me so s club seven like, s club seven were my three because um it was s club seven that's like um it, they're great and everything but they're s club seven um number two what's that was, supposed uh, to mean it's s club seven is it like it's like a year six girls band like that's what it's kind of that's that's how it that's how I see. That's how I see them. That's my thing. But um, yes, and, and it's the it's the dancing as well. You, I can I can see the girls practicing their dancing to it. And it wouldn't be like, very oh. good though, because I think some of the choreography for S Club was re- was really good. Yeah, but that what that meant was in my school was that the girls would learn the dance and perform it at the end of the year. So, you know, it's kind of. It's, it's kind of that uh, that thing. Um, um, second for me was um, uh, Big Time Rush, um, which that beat S Club Seven because I wanted to watch it more. Um, although S Club Seven was a good story, and I rate him for that for having the story. Big Time Rush was like actually made me want to watch more of it, so that I thought that was really impressive. And obviously, then to my winner is North and South because there was not enough of it and I wanted to watch more and I couldn't. Um, and, and that in itself is to come out of the blue with no nostalgia, no nothing. Boom, straight in there, North and South. Like I loved it. Cool. So that leaves me to tell me my two and one. My number two is also Big Time Rush. I, I like this show. I like them as a group. I actually really like Snoop's verse on Boyfriend. 
I thought it was really cool that they managed to get him on board because apparently I think his daughter was a fan of Big Time Rush and that's how he kind of knew about them and he's like you know what let me jump on this uh, track that y'all did and yeah like Snoop, Snoop, Snoop Dogg's the man like he jumped on he did, he did the track with them I like their music I thought it was quite good um, their choreography was uh, a lot left to be desired but again, that wasn't really important. I think what they're kind of aiming for was more of the um, more of the vocals and more of the fact that they were sort of harmonizing together and and things of that nature. And my number one, S, S- Club. Club. <laughs> <laughs> Look, like I I I liked that there were seven of them and they had seven different personalities. There was one for everybody. Obviously, I'm black, so I'm rooting for everybody black. So I'm going to vote for Bradley. I thought he was great. I obviously can relate to him the most out of this club. And the fact that he was so good when they came back for Children in Need, I think that kind of dusted me in good stead. I thought, you know what? You're doing your thing, King. It's your time, King. It's your time. Go and, go and show these people. Show them what's what. You know what maybe I mean? maybe you should put that link on the uh, as part of the comments or something, um, just so people can check out just how he carried that performance. Because <laughs> like, honestly, I, it, it was it was astonishing how good he was compared to everybody. Yeah, else. it was like Bradley and his backup singers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because he just was coming up there, he was doing all the ad libs, he was doing all the the singing, he was even doing the dancing, like oh. Like literally, I'm watching. I'm like, yes, get paid, black man, get paid. And that's why I ain't mad if there's another S Club reunion. Go and get that bag. Go get that S Club bag. And that goes for all seven of y'all. If there's money to be made, go and make it. And yeah, like again, this is the show that was it resonated with the childhood. Like we watched all of the S Club series growing up. We watched. I even remember like watching the movies. Like the um, there's one I think, Back to the Fifties. So whilst they're driving to LA, they kind of drive into some kind of diner thing, and that is where I think the inspiration of the S Club party video came from. That show, yeah, and even like I think boyfriends and birthdays again. That's something I remember watching as a kid. It was something that. I I kind of reminisced and thought, oh man, I watched all of this as a kid, and obviously yesterday's capers is about me reminiscing about shows I watched as a kid, and this was the one show that I thought resonated with my childhood the most out of the three. But then obviously Big Time Rush came well after our childhoods for both of us, two thousand and nine. So it kind of appealed for a different generation. And yeah, I thought again, like I said before, they were very unfortunate that the social media phenomenon took off after they were a group and they didn't really have a chance to build a fan base within that within that scope within that stratosphere so in a way they kind of they kind of suffered but big time rush i thought crawled so that one direction and the wanted and any other boy band that's out there that I can't really think of right now could run. So, yeah. 
there's our top three and uh moving forward i think we're gonna try and mix it up a little bit with the head-to-heads and the triple threats so we can keep the format of the show fresh as we chunder along to the first birthday of this uh of this podcast and i think it'd be a good place to bring it to an end and uh this was a really fun episode so uh definitely so uh go out of your way to listen to this episode and also go out of your way to support s club 7 and big time russian listen to their music so that they can get a few pennies through their door so uh yeah you go and do that and the yesterday's capers is available wherever you get your podcast from please uh listen to it subscribe share comment do whatever it is that your podcast platform allows you to do. And yeah, you can uh, find us on the socials on uh, Facebook at facebook.com forward slash yesterday's capers. Instagram is yesterday's capers one on Twitter. It's yesterday capers. You can follow me on Instagram at Abdullah underscore Bolim. You can follow me on Twitter at Abdullah Molim. Give me a holler. Give me a shout. And yeah, I hope everybody had a, a good Eid celebrating and and, and what have you and yeah join us next week for another episode of yesterday's capers